When you think of the word apologetics, what do you think of? Some people will say that, well, why do I need to apologize for anything? But with the things that have happened in our culture over the years, particularly with 9-11, there's been a revival of apologetics. Books by J. Warner Wallace and Frank Turek and Norman Geisler and others have gone and given a response why Christianity is true. And on the Let's Get Real podcast today, I want to deal with what apologetics is and what good is it. My name is Rob Lundberg, and you're listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. Thank you for listening to the Let's Get Real podcast with Rob Lundberg. I want to just share with you a little bit of my story before I get into the whole idea of what apologetics is, because I want to basically share with you my heart and my passion today. That's kind of a unique presentation today, I know, but uh, what everything that we have going on in our culture, with everything that's going on in the church, you know, I think that many people today, particularly with our younger generation, the millennial generation, are really not getting a good program of discipleship. Yes, we give the Bible, we, we talk about the Bible, and, but we don't talk about why the Bible is true. You know, we don't talk about why Christianity is true. We just basically says, you know, this is what the Bible says, this is what it teaches, and you are, you are to obey and listening to, listen for God's voice with all that. Now, when they confront a skeptic, whether it's in the workplace or the water cooler at work or even in the school or the college or the universities, they ask and they're challenged with the major questions today. Even pastors today will be challenged by some, some parent bringing their student to them to go and say, hey, you need to turn them around because they're saying that they're walking away from the faith. And, you know, they're becoming an atheist. And help, pastor, I really don't know what to do. Well, I want to let you know that there is a forgotten discipline in the, in the church today. And this is the whole idea of giving a reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and respect. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 is the apologetic mandate. And when you think about First Peter, Peter was writing around A.D. 62, A.D. 61. And he, has, he had been going and uh, talking about the persecution that Christians had been going through under the, under, the tyr- under the tyranny of Nero. And Peter then goes into a discourse about suffering. And he then goes and starts talking about this whole idea about going and giving a reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. And so let me give you the context about this whole uh, subject here. He says in verse 13 of chapter 3, 1 Peter, and he says this, he says, Who will harm you if you are deeply committed to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be disturbed. But set apart the Messiah, Jesus is Lord, in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. However, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping your conscience clear so that you are, when you are accused, those who denounce your behavior in Christ will be put to shame. In verse 17, he says this, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will 
than for doing evil. Now, when we look at that passage, it's the main, the main thrust of that isn't so much the fact that you and I are going to face persecution. If you are living the life of Christ, particularly in our COVID generation today, I think you and I can agree that with everything that's happening with the COVID virus and these mandates and everything, you and I are going to have to make some tough decisions. Okay, We're going to have to make some tough decisions as to whether or not we are going to take a stand and what type of stand and how we go about taking that stand. And, and, and of course, this is what apologetics is partly about. Now, apologetics does some things and apologetics can't do some things. And I'm going to talk to you about the full orb in just a second here. So when we talk about living the life that we defend, we're talking about living the apologetic life. That is our motto as far as my family and I. We live the apologetic life. We live the life we defend. We live the life we say that we defend. Why? Because we're, we're under the conviction that Christianity is true because the, that we understand that Jesus is risen from the dead and if Jesus is risen from the dead then we know that Christianity is true and every other worldview, every other religion is false. So how do we defend this? Well, let me tell you first off, what we need to do is we need to talk about what apologetics is, and then we'll go, we'll go further into the, into the puddle, if you will. So what is apologetics? Apologetics simply is giving a reasoned statement or a verbal defense, the study or the discipline of making a defense for the Christian faith. This is what we're talking about when we talk about Christian apologetics. Or it's also about building a case as to why Christianity is true. So there are three things that I want to lay out here for us. First, the defense of Christianity by giving reasons and evidences for the hope of, that Christi of the Christian faith. Now, Socrates once said that the unexamined life is a life not worth living. But I want to tell you that the unexamined faith is a faith not worth believing. Secondly, knowing why and not just what we believe is vitally important. And we're not talking about just giving you your personal testimony. Your personal testimony is very important, but if you go and you take testimony of your, of your faith and you don't have any standard by which to base it off of, and somebody goes and says that they give you uh, their Buddhist testimony because they went to a just Zen meeting and they listened to the Tipitaka of Buddhism and some guy going and talking about he's a nice guy and he's going and saying and, you know that causes somebody to become a Buddhist okay now the Christian faith is based on a testimony but that should not be your final apologetic well, your final apologetic as to why Christianity is true and not what happened to you and that's the difference thirdly you can think of apologetics as, to give you an analogy, it's a judicial term, it's a juridical term, if you will, for a court of law. It's a forensic type of term, not a military term. It's not about being milk toast or like Barney going and saying, I'm sorry for something. It is having a forensic kind of faith. And of course, you know, if you think of forensic, you think of being a detective, you think of somebody going and giving evidences for a case like, you know, my friend Jay Warner Wallace just came out with his book, Person of Interest, Why Jesus Still Matters in a, in a World That No Longer Accepts the Bible. Uh, he came out with this book, and of course, he's got a book called Forensic Faith, and he's got one called 
Alive, where he gives a case on the resurrection, and he's also has another one called God's Crime Scene, and he's also got another one, which is his personal testimony called Cold Case Christianity. You and I basically are cold case Christians, cold case detectives, because we have a cold case forensic type of faith as to why Christianity is true, and this is what it's all about. So basically, what is the goal of apologetics? Well, the goal of apologetics it can be seen first and foremost as towards the seeker, and we could call it evangelism. Christian conversion is a radical turning away from sin, selfishness, and Satan, and a turn in repentance and trust and faith in Christ, his will, and his kingdom. Now, it is not about adding a dose of confusion to make the gospel sound more profound. However, it is about clearing the confusion for the person so they can see the work and the person of Jesus Christ and show the beauty of the gospel. Number two, faith itself is more than just a bare assent to intellectual facts. It includes entrusting oneself in an existential act toward Christ and his cause. Number three, apologetics aims towards conversion, not generic spirituality or religious, religious externalism. And number four, apologetics can show that repentance toward the gospel, that life makes sense because Christianity is true, rational or reasonable and attractive. So when you talk about Christianity and what it makes, it's about living the life we defend. And we go and we show that it's reasonable to follow Christ as opposed to follow a, a, an empty faith like Islam or the cosmic spirituality of new, the New Age or, or uh, what we also call that uh, cosmic humanism. What we say is that Christianity is true and the reason why we believe Christianity is true is the same reason that the first century church believed that Christianity is true. Because Jesus is risen from the dead. Plain and simple. It's because if Jesus is risen from the dead, Christianity is true. Now, there are some things that you go and say, well, Rob, you can't argue that anybody into the kingdom of heaven. And I know some people that can go and say, well, you know, that's not necessarily so. Well, when I was uh, an apatheist in the 80s, I had a hard time, actually in the 70s, I got saved in 80. And then after I got, after my conversion, when God flipped the switch from my apatheism to uh, belief in Christ and the and the truthfulness of the Christianity and the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sins and drew me to the gospel and hearing the gospel I got saved because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God just in case you didn't think I had to believe the Bible which by the way I do believe the Bible <laughs> I believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God it doesn't become the word of God it doesn't uh, contain the word of God it is the word of God and I'll have another show on that maybe later but what apologetics cannot do is first it cannot make or force someone to believe. You know, you can have all kinds of evidence and everything, and you can go and you can present your case, and you can go and make your case as to why Christianity is true. But see, the Holy Spirit has to be involved in the exchange of information. And see, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in in the act of conversion, because it's the Holy Spirit that convicts and not your argument for why Christianity is true. Number two, apologetics cannot settle issues of faith. That's left to theology. 
Now, apologetics can be, there, there can be a theological methodology of apologetics where you're using just straight systematic theology. But matters of faith, as far as understanding certain Christian doctrines, those things are left up to the discipline of the glorious discipline of the queen of sciences called theology. Apologetics cannot, number three, change someone's heart. Again, this is up to the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit's doing. And I was talking to somebody after church today and said, you know, we are not responsible for the salvation of the lost. And thankfully, he agreed with me. And, you know, that was, that was a pleasant discussion because all we do is we give the answers as to why Christianity is true and trust the results to God. And that's what it's really all about. Number four, apologetics cannot give someone 100% certainty or answers to all the questions. You know, I've got a diagram, and I'm going to use that diagram in the, in the episode today so that you can see that whole uh, diagram laid out. On one part of the diagram, or in the center part of the diagram, it is the word apologetics. And then it's got four prongs coming off of it. The, the north prong talks about validating Christian truth. You know, people go and say, you know, Christianity ain't true. It's based on a bunch of lies. It's based on fairy tales. You know, Jesus didn't exist. And, of course, Bart Ehrman, who is uh, at Chapel Hill, uh, he's an atheist one day, an agnostic another. He uh, goes and says, you know, Christianity, the Bible's full of errors and all. And, of course, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. It's, it's not full of errors. It's got over 400,000 variants, but um, that's for another talk. But it validates Christian truth. On the east side of that, doc, uh, of that diagram, we talk about evangelism or saving the lost. On the south part of it, it says, strengthen the church. And folks, there's a lot of deception in the church today coming through the uh, contemporary Christian music industry. There's also, you've got progressive Christianity, and you've got the New Apostolic Reformation, and you've got uh, the prosperity gospel, and you've got all of these things coming before the altar of God that many people are being deceived by. And I want to let you know that Christianity, through the historical doctrines of the Christian faith, and I'm not talking about Calvinism or Arminianism. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not an Arminian. I hold to historical Christian truth. And I think those terms can be rather divisive. But I want to let you know that if you go and you, preach, you preach the Bible and you teach the Bible and you go and you present the Bible and you make your case for why Christianity is true, you have a balanced approach to why Christianity is true. Okay, so that's the whole thing. Well, you've got all this stuff. You've got the cults out there. You've got the world religions. You've got Islam. You've got Buddhism. You've got the, uh, the New Age movements out there. You've got all of these things out there where the west part of it where it talks about refuting error you know christians can be deceived and and the whole thing of it is uh they can go and they can look at something and say if the church allows this or approves this then it must be true it must be okay and i'm not going to chase that rabbit but i just want to let you know that you know there's a lot of error that's flying around even in churches today and some of those churches are not even churches, but I won't get into that. So those are some things that apologetics cannot do. It cannot make or force someone to believe. It cannot settle matters of faith because that's, a the, that's up to theology. Apologetics cannot change someone's heart. That's up for the Holy Spirit to do. And apologetics cannot give 
when someone 100% certainty or answer all the questions. And again, I'll have the diagram in there. So what can apologetics do? What can apologetics do? Well, first it can answer the honest intellectual questions about Christianity. You know, questions are good. And I'll even say that doubt is good. You know, as long as you don't settle yourself on the doubts and you think that your doubts make it make it true, uh, you have to basically come forward and answer questions. Have your questions answered. And this is what apologetics is all about. Secondly, it can expose pseudo or false intellectual objections for what they really are. And when I, when I talk about pseudo intellectual uh, objections, I'm talking about spiritual issues that are matters of the will. You know, people willingly believe and they willingly disbelieve in those things that are true, although they think are true. And those who willingly disbelieve are really believing things that are false. So, and apologetics can expose spiritual issues, but they cannot, but it cannot address them. And then thirdly, it can equip and build up the faith of the believer. And we see this in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. Let me go and get my Bible and turn there. And when I talk about equipping the faith, you know, you can have a conversation with somebody and you can go and build them up without going and giving a methodology or anything like that with regards to, you know, showing your intellectual power. You know, that's not what it's about. It's about giving encouragement and equipping. And we, we run into this person in, in, um, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 18. His name is Apollos. And Apollos was a Jew and he was a native of Alexandria. He, and the, the scripture tells us that he was very eloquent, who was powerful in his use of the scriptures. And he arrived in Ephesus. And this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being a fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught the things about Jesus accurately. And so what do you think he might have talked about? Well, the fact that he was crucified, the fact that he was resurrected from the dead, um, you know, that there were eyewitnesses, possibly. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue after Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him home and explained the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to cross over into Achaia, the brothers wrote to the disciples, urging them to welcome him. And after he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. So, you know, this is something that Apollos had. He had the scriptures of the Old Testament. We have the scriptures of the Old Testament. We got the New Testament. And we've got some well-reasoned arguments uh, that have come about through the millennia as far as dealing with why Christianity is true. Folks, we have an unsinkable battleship. We have an unsinkable battleship and an embarrassing amount of riches as far as why Christianity is true. So as I, as I think about wrapping this show up today, let me ask you uh, another question. Let me answer another question here. And that is the question, so why do apologetics? Why should we be about being someone who is a case maker or being somebody who is... Uh, making a case or, or going and being able strong enough in their faith to give a reason and studying 
And when I say study, what I'm talking about is finding a lane as far as what you are uh, good at. You could be good about defending the Bible. You could be good about uh, explaining the resurrection of Jesus Christ or the existence of God or why atheism is false or why Christianity versus Islam, why Christianity is true. You could pick a lane or multiple lanes or wherever God has given you the passion and you can uh, build your portfolio, if you will, with regards to making a case or giving evidence and showing that the evidence is strong in defending the Christian faith. And if you go and you look at the Bible, you look at the Bible, you see from the very first verse where it says, Bereshit Elohim bara, in the beginning God created. Okay, and Elohim is a plural noun, but people will go and say, well, there's only one God. Well, that's right. There is only one God because we know that from the Hebrew in the, in the very first verse where the Hebrew word Elohim, which is the plural of God, and bara, which is a third person singular verb. That's right, it's a singular verb. So, you know, it should agree and, you know, gender, number, and case. In, in this case, uh, that's with a noun, but when you have, you have to have agreement in action and person. So, what do you do with this? Well, from the very first verse to the fact that well, God says in Isaiah, come let us reason together. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, you've got Elijah confronting the prophets of Baal. You've got God himself going and showing and, and, and testifying to Israel. See what I have gone and done for you in very loose Lundberg, loose paraphrase, all throughout the Old Testament. And of course, Jesus refuting and I'm going to talk about Jesus on another show and how Jesus did apologetics as well. I might do that next week. But <laughs> when you have this, it, it gives a strong, there's a strong case in the Bible for defending the faith. Christianity, number two, is supported by good philosophy. Good philosophy, C.S. Lewis said this, good philosophy must exist in order to refute the bad philosophy. Christian um, and the Christian goes and takes Colossians 2 verse 8 and says, have nothing to do with philosophy when it says, talks about having the philosophy according to the traditions of men rather than according to Christ. Christian philosophy, if it's properly understood, Christianity, uh, a, a strong Christian philosopher will defend the Christian, historical Christian faith, okay? Thirdly, Christianity is rooted in history. The Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. Some 38 to 40 eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. Some of those eyewitnesses were contemporaries of one another, three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, three different continents, Asia, Europe, and Africa. You have these, a library, you have a library of books in the, in the Bible it's not a book, it's a library of books. Uh, it's a library of books. And what you have is a reliable collection of historical documents written by those eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses talking about supernatural events that are direct fulfillment to specific prophecies. And these writers claim that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. Fourthly, Christianity is corroborated by science. You know the scientific facts in the Bible. And when we talk about scientific facts, we're not talking about the fact that uh, you've got people who believe in millions of years, but why does the Hebrew calendar have 6,000 as their date when they go back to the Garden of Eden when man was created? I'm not gonna get into that 
but I will let you know that I am young earth. Uh, not for the reasons that Ken Ham is um, young earth, but uh, scientific facts go and show that uh, the earth is young. So leave that there, let that set. Fifthly, apologetics deepens yours and my discipleship. The more you know about God, the more you love him. The more you learn about God, the deeper he takes you in understanding on why Christianity is true. Next, apologetics guards against deception in the church. We already talked a little bit about that, talking about strengthening the church and refuting error, and that'll be in the diagram. Number next, uh, apologetics guards against the deception in the church, and number next on this one is uh, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. E is deepening our discipleship. F is guarding against deception in the church. And then G, not doing apologetics, brings us back to why are we doing this? You know, when you talk about the cultural shifts today, when you talk about the cultural shifts and the fallout, when you talk about uh, deception in the church, you know, 88% of the people, 88% leave the church by the time of age 18. Uh, Sixty-seven percent do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's Josh McDowell, David Bellis, and the last last Christian generation. Seventy percent leave the church between 17 and 19 years of age. That's Lifeway of uh, Southern Baptist. Ninety percent of active youth and high school programs drop out. Uh, Jossie Bass in, in, in their uh, Jossie Bass in the book, uh, The Present Future: Six Tough Questions for the Church. Uh, you have that there, and then 60% disconnect from their churches after the age of 15. David Kinneman, the Barner Research Group, have that as well. So why are they doing this? Well, I could get into that, but I won't right now. But uh, we're going to wrap this show up today, and then we'll talk about more of this as we go into next week. But we'll talk about what if, if Jesus did apologetics and why apologetics is all over the Bible, because it is. Uh, you can look at the, the, the ministry of Jesus and you can see that Jesus did apologetics. The apologetics is all over the Bible. So we'll talk about that next week. So as you go out this week, I want to let you know that J. Warner Wallace has come out with his book, Person of Interest. Person of Interest, Why Jesus Still Matters in a World that Rejects the Bible. Well, you know what? If you do street evangelism for a while, and you do one-on-one -on -one conversations with people, you're going to find that out. I, I ran into somebody who said, oh, the Bible was uh, made, made by Constantine. And uh, Constantine went and used it to control people. You know how ridiculous that is? You can go to my YouTube channel, and I have a little bit about that uh, on my YouTube channel. Just look me up on Rob Lundberg uh, on YouTube, and you'll be able to see that video. But as you go out this week, I want to let you know that I'm thankful for you that are listening and that if you will share this podcast with others, I will be very eternally grateful. And I want to let you know that we're here to serve you. We're here to serve you. We're here to serve your church. We love the church. We love the saints of God. And I want to let you know that if you can ever, if you ever have any question or anything that you can reach out to us on. We would love to serve alongside you, serve you, even if it's answering a question. So as you go out this week, God's going to place you in very unique places. God's going to place you in unique circumstances. 
And as you go out, go out and give them heaven. And Lord willing, we will be back with you next week. God bless.